Welcome to Thanksgiving week, Ohio State Michigan week, and the pick show on the podcast. Doug Maurice, Austin Ward, Bill Landis here to give you our picks Ooh. for this two versus three show. Doug, I think you firm. should. St- I think you should start by talking about how much your opinion of this game has changed over the last month. It I'm going to rattle you, rattle you right off the bat. I just, uh, you know, Berm's in here talking with us before the Berm's all fired up to the now. Ooh, you're feeling the juices. Only the fourth time that this is a uh, both teams ranked in the top three for this game, and I will say that that my thinking has certainly evolved um, on this game over the course of the season. And we talked about it. Bill and I did a little bit on our gigantic breakdown on kings of columbus um the the cheating scandal has affected my view i do think that's had some negative influence on michigan and the ohio state run game the development of that the explosiveness of trayvon henderson has affected my view austin do you feel like your view of this game has shifted very much from where you were in september or october or have you kind of felt like now i got a handle on this thing the whole way through uh I don't know that it's changed dramatically. I, I think what's altered my perception is like trying to understand the results from the previous two years. That has changed a lot, and I don't like it because I feel like I covered a lie and have talked about toughness and running game and Jim Knowles' defense like in a way that may or may not have been true. I, I don't know. I'm not saying it definitively altered the outcome, but it it taints it in my mind. And that part I don't like. Uh, so that part when looking at this matchup, I think has changed a little bit because I'm not sure that, you know, Michigan did enough things to like absolutely prove that they had solved the Ohio state problem in a way that was within, you know, the boundaries of the rules and within the white lines. So, um, I thought Ohio state had the better personnel than Michigan from day one this season. I thought they would have their hands full going on the road. I still think that's true, but I do think that there's maybe a, a bigger opportunity for Ohio state to deliver a message and perhaps win more decisively than I would have thought two months ago. Bill, do you feel like you've been a straight line or a squiggly line in your evaluation? I think mostly a, a straight line. Um, I've, it's always been a little bit of a coin flip for me that, that I, I think more often than not, I thought Ohio state would be, on the right side of maybe I've, I've gone back and forth a little bit throughout the course of the year. Um, when we saw Ohio state's offense sputtering a little bit, we saw Michigan just kind of beating up bad teams. Um, but I didn't want to make too much of either of those things. Um, I agree with Austin, right? Like, like I've always thought that Ohio state has the better personnel. They recruit better. They should have the better personnel. Um, but I still think Michigan's good. Like even with all the science dealing stuff and like what, how much did it actually impact the last two years? And, how much of their success should we should we attribute to that? I, I'm not sure. Some I think, but but how much I I don't know. But I still think Michigan has good players, um, and it's still a well coached team. And even if they used ill gotten gains to flip this rivalry, I still think the 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 mental impact of doing that and and believing you can beat Ohio State if you're Michigan matters too. So like I, I've I've thought all along it's going to be a close game, and I still think that's going to be it's going to be a close game. Covering a lie, Austin Ward. And my life in the game. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a whatever. If one of us writes a book, if there's a thirty for thirty, and we get interviewed, I I don't know. I mean, somebody's gonna have to. There's gonna be documentaries on Connor Stallions. There's gonna be like you know fictionalized versions that are made for movies. Like this is one of the most insane scandals and also dumbest in college football history, right? (laughs) Uh, let's go to his house on Saturday. We're all going. We got time. Let's all you got to do is there. Hey, we're just looking for vacuums. Can yeah. you help us? <laughs> we see you've got 50 of them on your porch. Are they for sale? I feel like I might have seen that house. Like the vacuum <laughs> house. I feel like I might have gone past there. Uh, so we're looking at a game. The total for this game is around 46. Michigan is favored by about three and a half. This line Last Saturday, a week ago, before those games were played, was more like five, five and a half. So it has moved toward Ohio State to some degree. I I have a, a couple little like historical numbers that I want to talk about for this game. First of all, this year against the spread, Michigan is five, five and one against the spread. Ohio State is six, three and two against the spread. From a total perspective, 
Michigan has gone over six times and under five times, and Ohio State has been living on the under. Only two overs for Ohio State this year, nine unders. The history of this game, you know, the Coop stuff is the Coop stuff. I don't think it's particularly applicable to what's happening right now. So starting with the first year of Jim Trestle, favorites are 16 and five in the game in the last 21 years. Ohio State is 14 and two as a favorite, which means they were 14 and 0, and now they're 0 and 2 because they were favored the last two years. Michigan is two and three as a favorite. So Michigan is favored this year in the five games since 2001 when Michigan has been favored. In 2001, Michigan was favored by eight and a half, and Ohio State won 26 20. In 2003, Michigan was favored by seven and then won, you know, pretty solidly. 2004, Michigan was favored by four, and Ohio State won 37-21 as Troy Smith introduced himself uh, in the game. 2011, the crazy chaos year for Ohio State, Michigan was favored by eight and a half and won by, I believe it was six at home, right? Fingertips, just over the fingertips of DeVere Posey or Ohio State might have pulled that upset. And then 2018, Michigan is favored by four and a half, and Ohio State drops a bomb on them, 62-39. So, again, this is only the sixth time that Michigan um, has been favored. And then from a, from a perspective on the totals, the last 21 years, this game has gone over 16 times in the last 21 years, nine straight overs, mm-hmm. with the caveat that they were under in 2016 at the end of regulation. 17-17 tie was a solid under, and then it went over in the double overtime. So that, as we, you know, we want to talk about game scripts and that kind of thing here, Austin. Like the idea that, I mean, listen, a couple, like in 2021, the over-under was like 58 points or something, and it went over, right? right. I mean, this is a much lower total here, but this, this game is a little more high scoring than people expect in general. Do you think that's possible with this one? Because statistically, these are arguably two of the five best, maybe the two best defenses in the country. Yeah, I think that that's sort of the way that championship matchups in college football work anymore. Even if you have elite defenses, you aren't generally going to shut down good offenses repeatedly from start to finish. Now, that's the challenge. I mean... Uh, Ohio State's been very, very good this year. Obviously, Michigan has a statistical defense and resume that's number one in the country right now. You would say on paper that there's a good chance that this could be super low scoring. But when you factor, I, I think of games like Alabama Clemson in the playoff, like you wouldn't say that either of those defenses were incompetent. It's just that the standard for success in those games is different. You don't, you don't hold somebody to 10 points. That's your only chance of winning. You're hoping to get a turnover or two or a sack fumble that changes the, changes the game or two or three stops to put your offense in position. And when you f- add that into the fact that crazy things happen in rivalry games and like it's hard to execute from start to finish and have that attention to detail and make every tackle and when the pressure is building, you, you see some things happen in these games that tend towards the over because it's just it's much easier, I think, to take advantage of a mistake going the other way against the defense than conversely a defense just shutting somebody down for 60 whole minutes. So I think that's why you see that historical record in the game. You just, you both teams are also keeping a ton of stuff in reserve, not just Ohio State, not just Ryan Day. You know, we've seen this with misdirection and different, you know, counters and, and screens and things from Michigan in years past, even in games that they've lost. Like both teams have new stuff that they will unveil on offense that keeps you off uh, off balance and makes you adjust over the course of a game. So I think that's probably why we've seen that, probably why I'm leaning towards going over as well. I do think that is a compelling case for a maybe a higher scoring game than you would expect. Now let's make the case for a lower scoring game. Landis in stop rate, right, which is when you stop the opposing offense on a drive, you force them either to punt, uh, to turn the ball over, or they are stopped on downs. Michigan is first in the nation in that category. They do that 83.5% of the time. Ohio State is second. They do it 82% of the time. Excellent in terms of like, we're not letting you, we might let you move the ball a little bit, but we're not going to let you score. And then I looked at like, I think 
Mike, the, the four most competitive games for these two teams this year, Ohio State, Penn State, the total was 45. The final score was 20 to 12. That's a 32 total. It's way under. Michigan, Penn State, the total was 45. The final score was 24-15. The total is 39. That's under. Ohio State, Notre Dame, the total was 55. The final score was 17-14, way under. Mm-hmm. Ohio State, Wisconsin, the total is 45 and a half. The final score is 24-10. It's 34, also significantly under. So in the Big Ten, right, the Big Ten has like the four top teams in stop rate or something. The Big Ten plays defense, and sometimes the offenses are not very good. <laughs> I do think when you look at the Michigan-Penn State game and the Ohio State-Penn State game, you have to factor in, what's the word I would say, incompetence from the Penn State offense. They fired their offensive coordinator. So I don't think that that's not the case here with either offense. But this is when these teams have played good opponents, it has been grinded out defensive games. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a case for thinking, well, maybe what that's what this is going to be. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um and like this number, you can hit this number without a shootout, right? Twenty-seven twenty is not a shootout, but you're still over if in this game if, if that happens. Um, I I had all those games in mind when I was trying to figure out how I think this might go, um, what I think ultimately the final score and, and total will be, and even then, well, you'll see in a minute. Like I, I ended up a little higher in for my pick here than I than any of those games you mentioned um, finished. But I think, like in the context of this game, which has, to your point, been higher scoring historically than people expect, I still think it's on the lower end. I think it's like right around the number. Um, I don't think like anything more than five touchdowns for each team. The the one thing that gives me a little pause with that is, is the Ohio State side of things. Right? If Notre Dame, they're stopped on fourth and one on the goal line. They have a touchdown pass go off of someone's hands in the end zone. Right? It's it's not that Ohio State couldn't move the ball. In that game, it's just they couldn't finish drives. Similar for Penn State, I think. I think Ohio State in those two games combined had seven red zone trips and two touchdowns. So there's an opportunity here for it to just kind of click, and for Ohio State to finish those drives the way that Ryan Day wants them to, which would make me a little nervous if I was considering an under here. But I think there's enough track record with both of these teams and the way their biggest games have gone um, that. It probably makes sense to err on the lower side because of the, the two the, the two ways the teams are willing to play, which is run the ball and play defense. As we record this on Wednesday, not a ton of national picks out there yet. You know, people are getting their thoughts together. USA Today has their picks out. They're six people, four two for Ohio State. Hmm. A little more analytical. Brian Fremo, the FEI ratings, which we like. Uh, Ohio State is first in defense in those ratings. Michigan is second in defense. Ohio State is 13th in offense. Michigan is third in offense. And they overall are just like super highly rated in general. Michigan is one and Ohio State is three with Oregon wedged in between. But as close as that is, his numbers give Michigan a 69% chance of winning. His projected final score is 27-19 Michigan. I also want to take this into account. I double-checked. You know, you write stuff down. You do picks. It all lives on the internet forever. I have picked Ohio State each of the last two years. As it turned out, I was very close on the final score in both games. I just was flipped both times. So then I guess that makes you not very close. When it's, you think Ohio State's going to win by 15 and then Michigan wins by 15, that's being wrong by 30 points. So, Austin, there, there's a part of me that's like, okay, well, you know, I think Michigan's really good. I certainly think Ohio State has a great chance in this game, but also, are we? Am I going to be like in a world where, well, you know, Michigan's won seven straight, and I picked Ohio State every time? Like, I don't like like as we're trying to think about what's going to happen, but also trying to think about what we thought was going to happen before. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, you have to check yourself a little bit of like why I don't know what you picked. What did you pick the last two years? And then, are you trying to think to yourself, well, this is what I thought? How how right or wrong was I when that happened? I I picked Ohio State to win comfortably each of the last two years, and largely my rationale was I'm not ever going to pick Michigan until they prove that they can win because I had never covered a game where they where Michigan won the game, and I had seen those blowouts, and I knew what was going to happen in 2020 when it was the largest spread in the history of the series, and then Michigan wasn't able to play, and we didn't get to see it. All of that was in my mind, and I did not see 2021 coming at all. 
And I was really surprised at what happened in the second half for a second year in a row in 2022 without even knowing any of the other factors that were involved. Like that doesn't matter. They, they played the game. They lost it. They had opportunities to build a much larger lead in the first half. And maybe that wouldn't have mattered. Um, so like you guys are both correct when you say Michigan has good players. I think Ohio state has better players overall. That's what, you know, leads me to this. And I'm, I'm also trying to like those numbers that you mentioned and, and a score projection, like the commu- computer models, like that's, that's all well and good. I don't argue with them. They're very useful and informative there. I think there is in the game an intangible, intangible part that we won't know for sure until Saturday at noon, but the level of anger that Ohio state is feeling the motivation that their more veteran players now have without gold pants, the talent factoring into that as well. I, I just, Going on the road, this team's been very, you know, united and and tighter when they go on the road and brotherly bonds and all that stuff. I, I do think that that matters in this game, maybe more than like playing against Wisconsin. And I think the opposite is true for Michigan when you remove their coach, when you don't have, um, you know, some of the same advantages that you've grown accustomed to. They've not looked like the same team team for the last month. Like that's an objective fact, I believe. I mean, at least to me. Um, so that makes it sound like it's an opinion, but they're not playing at the same level that they have for the last four weeks. Like that's clear. Uh, I think all those things, uh, in terms of the intangibles point towards Ohio state. And that does also weigh on my mind for this one. But as you said, I've been wrong the last two years. Are you factoring that in Landis? Are you trying to like check yourself and check your thought process? this pat the past couple of years as you think about this one. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I, p- <laughs> I picked Ohio State big last year. Um, I think because of the Blake Corum injury, I think was in my head at the time. And clearly that was wrong um, for whatever reasons. <laughs> it was wrong. It was wrong. So um, I've tried to think about it a little differently. Um, but but like, while still, like, I want to be respectful, I guess, right? That's the word of the week to the fact that like Michigan still has good players, right? Like it's not, I, I don't. I do kind of dismiss their success the last two years because I don't know what to make of it, but I can still watch them play games and see how good their players are and come away impressed with their personnel and think that they're perfectly capable of giving Ohio State a good game when when all things are, are equal. So, um, but yeah, it's been like I've been wrong the last two years picking Ohio State to win this game, and it's kind of hard for me to wrap my mind around why exactly that was. So I tried to keep that in mind as I, you know, form my thoughts here. All right, let's do it then. Austin Ward, you are up. What is your pick for the game? So again, if you are going to put American currency or whatever currency yeah, for whatever country you might live in on this game, try and find the best possible odds because the over total was as low as 45 and a half on Wednesday morning at FanDuel. That informed my initial prediction, which I think was pretty accurate. I had 30 to 16. Uh, we decided to go with 46 officially on the pick show this week. So I took one extra point for Ohio State. How are they going to get there? I don't know because that didn't fit into the way I initially wanted it to. But I do think the game is over. Well, I want to make sure that that was reflected in my final score. Because I think, Doug, that there is a better chance of Ohio State pulling away and winning comfortably over Michigan than the opposite. Now, we've seen that from the Wolverines in the second half of the last two years. Not I'm not saying that to dismiss their level of talent or the fact that they might get momentum and get things rolling in the second half, but I, I think Ohio State's defense is playing at a level that we've not seen in a long time. And if the red zone execution that Bill talked about earlier starts to connect a little bit, I think that there's an opportunity for Ohio State to go beyond 31. And I want to—I I would rather err on that side. I think they're going to cover, and I think that it's going over. And I think Ohio State gets this monkey off of its back on Saturday. Again, using 46 as a total, Austin slightly over. Ohio State, a three-and-a-half-point underdog. Landis, what you got? I'm taking Ohio State 28-20. to 20. Um, I I think I'm in agreement with Austin on the possibility that Ohio State goes goes a little higher here. If you watch Michigan's offense this year, I just, I just don't know that I see one that is capable of – hitting the big plays with consistency like it did last year against Ohio State's defense. And obviously the way Ohio State's defense is played is part of that too. Um, I would just be like shocked, maybe like maybe as shocked as I've ever been 
covering this team if suddenly Ohio State's defense starts giving up big plays because it just has not done it all year. Um, and in its biggest games, Notre Dame and, and Penn State, I, I think it's been kind of even better in those games than it has been kind of on the average for the year. Now, you mentioned Doug Penn State's offense stinks, so that, that plays a part in it. But I just think they've been pretty dialed in um, on defense for every game they've been in. There's not really been much in the way of, of slippage or things that I think worry you. So I think you see a really good game from Ohio State's defense that that keeps Michigan from pouring in a lot of points. Like I, I think it's a two touchdowns and a couple of field goals for Michigan because I, I do wonder about Sharon Moore and like how aggressive he might actually be in a game like this if he's if he's pressed with the, the, the decision between a field goal and a touchdown. Maybe he errs on the side of, of the field goal because he's a little inexperienced and, and plays it a little close to the vest. Um, and I think Ohio State's explosive potential with Travion Henderson, with Marvin Harrison Jr. is the difference for them to win by a touchdown-ish here in this game and, and for the game to go over. And I'm right in the same range. 28-23, a little bit closer. We're all picking Ohio State to win. We're all picking the over. I do think, you know, Sharon Moore talked this week about the idea of making sure he knows from Jim Harbaugh what, what Jim Harbaugh wants to have happen in this game. And so there's a lot of that that you can plan ahead. But there are moments, I think, especially in a game like this, where there maybe you would feel something that if Harbaugh is saying, hey, let's rely on our defense, our general plan is we're not going to go for it on fourth down unless we're inside the 25 and it's, you know, fourth and two or shorter. But maybe in the moment, the game's going a certain way. And if Harbaugh's on the sideline there at midfield on fourth and three, he says, we're going for it. You know what I mean? And I don't, like Sharon Moore, I don't think can can read the momentum maybe and pull that trigger in the same way that a guy who's in charge of the program can. So I do think that can matter in this game. But mostly this is about the Ohio State secondary. I just don't think they'll make the same mistakes they made last year. And then you add in Ohio State's explosive offensive potential. I do think Michigan will drive on them. At times, again, like Jim Knowles is is kind of okay with that. And mm-hmm. so I do think there will be times when Michigan can be a machine and will march. Um, but even with that, I think it's still it's still over. I don't I don't as much as I kind of brought up like, hey, Notre Dame, Ohio State was 17-14 and Ohio State, Penn State was 20 to 12. I don't think it's that. I don't think Austin that it is such like it's such a grind as good whatever the stats say about these defenses and whatever I do think there's more defensive playmakers in this game but yeah. I almost think like those defensive playmakers might help get this thing higher scoring because I think Denzel Burke or Jordan Hancock or Mike Sane or still or or you know the Michigan defensive tackles could make plays that actually create points mm-hmm. Austin by setting up short fields or maybe even getting a defensive score yeah and I, I think that like Notre Dame and Penn State are the most valuable data points that we have to evaluate Ohio State at this point. But there is, I think, a key difference for this Saturday compared to those two. That's game number four, and it's on the road for Kyle McCord against Notre Dame. There were opportunities to make bigger plays, certainly the throw to Emeka Ibuka in the end zone. Like That game probably should have had 14 more points, at least for Ohio State, in it. Um, so that's a little bit of the inexperience and then surviving a slugfest on the road against a top 10 opponent or a team that was at the top 10. Then Penn state is different for, because you now you are removing a Mecca Buka from the equation. You don't have Travion Henderson and those one a and one B are huge deals for Ohio state's offense overall. So yeah, I, your point was about a defense making plays. And I think that that's, that's relevant, but I think even if they do, like Ohio State's offense is just quite simply different than those previous two that were were under and tighter games than maybe maybe they should, maybe they even should have been. Against the spread, the last twenty one years, Ohio State is thirteen and eight. Michigan then eight and thirteen. Although this is one of those things. I mean, this is a show where we talk about gambling. Can we fight like the Ohio State fan is like, oh man, I took the Buckeyes, they lost, <laughs> but at least they covered. Yeah, like oh, I got three and a half. They lost uh, 23-21 on a last-second field goal. At least I cashed my bet as my life was ruined. I there's Here's what I think, Doug. There's an, I find it very unlikely that any Ohio State fans who watch the pick show like what we've done and also then follow up by using their own American currency are doing anything other than taking the Ohio State money line because there's <laughs> no way, no way that they're accepting like, a three-point loss in the game. 
They would rather not have that money. I'm sure of it. I'm yeah. sure of it. Tell me if I'm wrong. Text us if I'm wrong. But let you know, I don't. I'm sure you're just on the money line. Because betting should make you happy. That's right. It should make <laughs> you happy more than it should make you money. To cash a bet, Austin's like disagree. <laughs> Wrong <laughs> to cash a bet. Wait, what are those like, numbers underneath you guys' faces over there? Let well, me that's know. That's why I'm so happy to be down $105. Yeah. Look at this face. This is the face of a happy loser. Uh, <laughs> and Austin's just like, cash, cash, cash. He's a machine. So just like, don't like, right? Like, yeah, drop a little, little something on the Ohio State money line. It certainly is a reasonable bet. We're all picking it. Yeah, but just you know, watch the game and have a good time. Again, listen to Austin Ward. Overall, Austin is uh, much more successful than us this season. He is thirteen and nine overall on his Ohio State bets spread and totals combined. Landis, you and I are nine and thirteen, uh, which, considering where we've been at times, is is not that terrible. No, we were yeah, you know, we were cruising for an over there. I think at least I was for a little bit. So uh, I'm happy to be nine and thirteen. Yeah, look at us, the yeah. happy losers. Maybe we'll change Kings of Columbus <laughs> to the happy losers. <laughs> and Austin's Austin's show is just called Cash That Bet. Let's cash it. All right. When we come back, we're making some Ohio State props next on the Pick Show on the podcast. Time for props, but uh, first, Landis, on this Thanksgiving week, a brief moment of human emotion. Brought to you by Philly Billy. <laughs> well, that's not it's not brought to you by, by me. It's it's brought to us by uh, Charles Charles P- Pruder, excuse me, uh, who's a tech subscriber of ours. Um, responding to what Denzel Burke said this week about uh, wanting to win this game for the state of Ohio. We talked a little bit about this on Kings of Columbus, Doug. Like the the emotion involved with this, and um, that goes kind of beyond just football. But but I thought uh, this was this was a nice message from Charles. He writes, uh, I grew up in Northeast Ohio and graduated from the Ohio State University, but I left Ohio for my career and won't ever move back. I love my family and I love where we live, but there's a never ceasing dull pain in my gut. I feel like I abandoned my home a little bit. But Mm -hmm. when I hear people like Ryan Day and Denzel Burke, who came from the outside to Ohio, talk about doing things for the state, it's almost like they took up the flag for me and they're saying, quote, I'm here. I got you no matter where you are now. Brings me to tears a little bit, feeling connected like that to the team. And then he wrote in all caps, we're from Ohio. Oh, my gosh. That's so nice. It's a good trade. Denzel for Charles. Works out for everybody. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to guess that Denzel's a better cornerback. <laughs> no offense to Charles. But Charles said he's happy where he is. That's right. And Denzel's going to lock down Cornelius Johnson. So like, it's, all, it's all good. I think that's good. the other. I think that is an interesting part. I talked about the intangible tangibles before the pick, Doug. Like, this team, it, if there was complacency that crept in in 2021, that's long gone. I mean, there's so few people on this team that have won gold pants. They they need to do it. Like Denzel could leave. Marvin could leave. Emeka could leave. They could never have won in the game. And that doesn't guarantee that they're going to win on Saturday. But that sort of hunger and motivation to fix it, I think, is largely what helped the 2021 Michigan team pull off that upset in, in Ann Arbor. And then when you look at some of the numbers, like Ohio State is very rarely a true underdog, according to the Vegas line. And they often, you know, pull that out because they just don't get the chance to say nobody believes in us because almost every other week, everyone believes in them to win. You have that part. You have the America's team part where they're actually pulling for Ohio State because they are embarrassed by what Michigan has done to, to football with Connor Stallions. Like, I mean, maybe it's all setting up like too many things are in Ohio State's favor, but it just like, Everything gives them something that I think can propel them on Saturday. Yeah, no, I, I do think that is real. I do think like over time, Michigan had a really hard time handling the intangibles while they were losing, right? I thought like they came in as a favorite in 2018 and were trying to handle the intangibles and like got in their own head in a way that I think affected them on the football field. So there are a lot of things. I, I I do think like to be a true underdog, like a real underdog, is that they are not in that position a lot. I think they do enjoy that. And then it's just a matter of does it motivate you? Does it help you? Or does it get inside your mm-hmm. head and wrap you up in a way that like you you're you can't be yourself? So um it felt like a good headspace. Like yeah. just our perception of them as they talked about it Tuesday. All right, time for props. They did get the props out early. So we had a decent 
smorgasbord, a buffet, if you will, of of uh, Austin. Your choice. Betting buffet, Thanksgiving buffet. You can only take one. It's either props or sides. Actually, we should have a draft because everyone drafts Thanksgiving sides. We have, should have a combined props and sides. And so it's like sweet potatoes, Cade Stover anytime touchdown, <laughs> mashed potatoes, Marv two touchdowns, right? Like that's that kind of thing. It's like, oh man, stuffing versus trivia on anytime touchdown. I can't decide. I can't Perhaps believe we go like an hour and a half one. on this. If we throw that in, we'll go on that. I can't believe that you don't know. How I'm we can go as long as you guys want, as long as we're talking okay. about Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. I can't believe that you think that this would be hard for me. I'm like <laughs> not even allowed to have, I shouldn't say allowed. I won't be by my choice having a full Thanksgiving buffet. And I love to gamble. So you guys can just draft all you want. I can't have mashed potatoes this year. I can't have, uh, you know, gravy. I can't have all the things that I normally would love. No desserts. So I'm going to drink beer and I'm going to bet. And that is my draft. So whatever. You guys can just go through the food. It's all yours. Honey, could you could you pass the cage over anytime touchdown, please? I'd like a second helping of that. Oh, who made the one that's plus two twenty five? Oh, that was DraftKings. DraftKings, you cooked up a beauty this year. Thank you. You have gorged yourself on Brian Ferentz this year, by the way, young man. It's like, what? oh, oh, of course. That was the, the most Brian? unhealthy thing that I was doing to my body. Are there, is there any Ohio Iowa money lines left? No, Austin ate all the Iowa money lines. He's so fat and happy. Yeah. Uh, all right. That was the appetizer. <laughs> he had all the Hawkeyes. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Not sorry. My bank account. Well, we'll talk about that. Yeah. What All right, bet. Austin, what do you got for your Ohio State yeah. props this week? I could not believe we were sitting in the Woody on Tuesday and we're like, are the props out yet? Are the props out yet? Yeah, there they are. And I saw Cade right away at plus 225 to score a touchdown. And I was like, well, thank you very much. Uh, since he's got back, touchdowns in the last two weeks, he has a touchdown in five of the last six games. One of those was the Wisconsin game where he could barely move and he was out there as a decoy. When I talk about players that are highly, highly motivated for this game, you have to start with Cade Stover. A, a captain did not score in the game last year, had four catches, was pretty pretty ineffective overall, four catches for 13 yards. This is, I mean, he grew up watching this rivalry. Uh, he's been entrusted with that leadership role, and he's also very, very important to Ohio State's offense. I think just to go a little bit deeper, if there's a world where Michigan's like, we got to put two guys on Marv. We can't can't let him win. And then, well, Ameka's back too. That's a problem. And then they start, you know, trying to design some coverages to take away the wide receivers. I think Ohio State's been more than willing and capable of exploiting that in the middle of the field with Cade Stover. Kyle McCord trusts him in the red zone. I, I'll honestly be very surprised if Cade does not score in this game. Plus 225 seemed really, really good to me. And then he'll play a part in uh, a quarterback SGP that plays in with both J.J. McCarthy and Kyle McCord. I have Kyle going over 233.5 yards and over one and a half passing touchdowns. J.J. McCarthy under 204.5 yards and under one and a half passing touchdowns for him. Kyle uh, has gone over that yardage total in nine of 11 games this year. He's gone over that. We talked earlier in the year about where the passing touchdowns were and kind of that slow start. He's now over one and a half touchdowns in eight of 11 starts this year. When you look at JJ, he's got 201 combined yards in the last two games. Like that's insane. That would be under for this one game total. He hasn't thrown a touchdown in the last three games. So not sure how much of that is a schematic situation. We know that what they did in the second half against Penn State uh, with only the one attempted throw that drew a pass interference flag. They're not doing anything. Michigan is not doing anything through the air in the last couple of weeks. Doug, you were talking about Ohio State secondary and their improvement from last year to this year. I think that's significant. The only caveat I would have to throw in for Kyle McCord in that yardage total is that only one team this year has thrown for more than 200 yards against Michigan. Uh, and the flip side is that of that is that it was last week and Maryland threw for 247. So I like it, and I especially like plus 631 on FanDuel. That's a that's a nice juicy uh, uh, not not food. Yeah, yeah. Nice mm. juicy I'm gonna Delicious. I'm gonna fill myself up on it. Mm. 
Uh, what happened? We all kind of got smoked on the Ohio State bets last week, Landis, because we all we tied so much to Kyle McCord mm-hmm. throwing at least three touchdowns, and he threw two. Uh, as we're just trying to evaluate betting props on this, especially in the Ohio State passing game, is there anything to be learned from last week? And again, Austin's taken over one and a half touchdowns, not over two and a half touchdowns. What what did we get wrong last week? Uh, a couple missed throws in the end zone, I think. Like one one that Kate Stover got tipped that you know probably very well could have been a touchdown if it didn't get tipped. Um, he missed Julian Fleming in the end zone. Like he didn't throw the ball to him when Ryan Day was pretty ticked off about it in the second half of that game. So like stuff like that, um, which has ha- like has happened, I think, a couple of times throughout the year where there's there's something there that is potentially a bigger play, but but Kyle might throw like an underneath route to somebody that's not even necessarily a check down. Like he did that last week. He there's another play where Julian Fleming was wide open, but Kyle threw it to Xavier Johnson for like 15 yards instead of a 20 yard touchdown. Which is like and I'm not going to fault him too much for that, but um, I do think those are the kind of things that can screw you up when you're making a play like this. All right. So what do you got this week for us, Landis? So I like the the touchdown for Kate Stover on DraftKings too, but I, I wanted to parlay it with Colston Loveland, Michigan's tight end, scoring a touchdown as well, and I couldn't do that on DraftKings. Uh, you can do it on FanDuel. So and Cade's uh, odds are a little lower on FanDuel to score a touchdown than they were on DraftKings. So if you really like Cade, I, I would say go there. But if, if you're like me and you think both these guys are going to score and want to pair them together, uh, I did it on FanDuel. So it's an anytime touchdown for Cade Stover. It's an anytime touchdown for Colston Loveland, who is Michigan's talented pass-catching tight end who had a 45-yard touchdown in this game last year. I think he has four on the season. So he's like not like a prolific scorer, but... I think with um, just how good Ohio State's cornerbacks are, I, I I don't know that I see a whole lot of opportunity here for Michigan's receivers, and maybe there could be uh, an opportunity or two for Colston Loveland if he gets matched up on a linebacker or if like Sonny Styles is keyed in on the run, maybe he can sneak by uh, Ohio State's defense for for a touchdown. So I paired the two of them together anytime touchdowns at plus seven forty five, and then I took a tweaked version of Austin's quarterback parlay to give myself a little more juice here as i'm trying to uh you know put myself on the right side of history when, when we end this thing um so it's the same for jj mccarthy the under on the yardage of 204.5 the under on the touchdowns of one and a half but i'm under on the yardage for kyle mccord at 233 and a half and i'm over on the touchdowns at one and a half i think that um the fact that ohio state has not been able to hit a ton of shots in the passing game Made me maybe think that an under for Kyle might might be good here. Like Austin putting it out, like he has gone over this quite a bit. But I think Michigan's passing defense is pretty good. I think they might have an okay plan for Marvin Harrison Jr. to make sure he doesn't go completely insane. That does mean there'll be opportunities there for Kyle to spray it to some other guys. But I, but I think a large chunk of what Ice does offensively is Travion Henderson, which brings down the passing total just a just a touch. Um, but I can see Ohio State scoring via the pass in the red zone a couple of times too to make sure that that touchdown over hits so it is a different version of the quarterback a double dip but uh, a little more juice there plus 1426 wow odds yeah you are you are getting some great odds on the bets that you don't win that i don't that i almost win (laughs) that's that i almost win oh uh, it's spectacular okay i will (laughs) say i stared at a fan duel alternate rushing yards Travion Henderson over 150 rushing yards at plus 750. Mm. I took a peek at, at because I do think the idea of two high safeties, take Marv away, you know, pretty good coverage. Like, you know, Mike Sain was still on a Mecca in the slot, like some of that stuff. And okay, here comes 28 carries for Travion Henderson. And if, if three of those go for 20 yards plus, we're talking about, you know, like a historic rushing total in the game. I don't, I can see that script a little bit, Austin, you know, like I, I like explosive, like workhorse Travion and explosive Travion and over 150 for the rushing total doesn't seem impossible in my mind. But you're telling me that it's not going to go to the top of the screen and I'm not going to see that on your picks. No, I, I wimped out. Okay. <sighs> I went on five last week. I'm, I'm, I'm wounded. Yeah, he's playing it safe. I'm suffering. So my no. first one, I, I, I mean, I, see that when when Landis is wounded, he gets up and chases juice. And when I'm wounded, I just stay in a fetal position and take minus bets <laughs> like this. Oh, yeah. Burn made it a pun. 
Pass the corn, Elias. Uh, this is the perfect encapsulation of our Thanksgiving sides slash prop bet draft. Can I ask corn. a question about that? Yeah. When you uh, pass the Cornelius, does it come out the same way it went in? <laughs> Set. <laughs> uh, we can cut that part out. That guy, nobody wants to hear that on Thanksgiving. Uh, th- this, uh, so this is Cornelius Johnson, the guy who had two gigantic touchdowns for Michigan last week. His uh, over-under total on receiving yards in this game is 33 and a half. He's only had that many receiving yards in two of the Big Ten games that Michigan's played this year and i just think denzel burke and davis and igbignosen are going to be all over this dude and i'm I'm like looking at maybe a blank on this guy that i think like roman wilson still might get his in the slot for michigan and colston loveland at tight end and donovan edwards out of the backfield but this is minus 114 but i just i love this bet that the guy who destroyed them with two big plays does gets almost nothing because Ohio State has come so far. So, like, that idea, I wanted to express that idea of them not allowing explosive plays in a bet. So I'll take Cornelius Johnson under 33.5 receiving yards at minus 114. And then on the idea that maybe Michigan's trying to take care of Marvin Harrison Jr., I'm in on, like, the return of Emeka Abuka, who won the Notre Dame game for Ohio State. It's a, it's an Emeka is back parlay over 50.5 receiving yards plus an anytime touchdown at plus 312 on FanDuel. I am fascinated, Austin, to see like what Michigan tries to do to say we're not going to let Marvin Harrison Jr. win the game for Ohio State and what Ohio State does to say, okay, well, we don't care what you're doing. We're going to get Marv the ball. Or, yep. okay, he's not there. Bing, bang, boom. <clears throat> Here we go to the other guys. I think that's why this is, and, and Bill has talked about this since spring, like Ohio State, cannot let Michigan just erase Marvin from the game. And so how can they adjust on their own Ohio State offensively with slot Marv? We've seen him in the backfield. We've seen, you know, the the split back looks and and Marvin has been involved and Mecca's been involved in that as well. Like using him on end rounds, pop passes, like whatever it is, you can't let that happen. But Either way, there's still going to be opportunities for a Mecca. Like whatever, wherever they line up, Marvin, attention is going to go. So whether you're getting him five or six touches that you're just purely designing, the rest of the game is still an opportunity where Michigan is going to be accounting for him on the perimeter, and a Mecca is is free to run wild. But you, to to your point, Doug, I don't know the best way because Ohio State has so many weapons. I don't know how you take them all away, and if they choose to just roll the dice and go, well, like. Like Will Johnson, maybe he'll play out there one-on-one and and take something away from Marvin. I mean, I would say good luck to you, but maybe that's the choice that they have to make because they're concerned about everybody else. I mean, I don't know what what they're going to choose to do, what Jesse Minner wants to do, uh, what Connor Stallions was was cooking up for this game. I don't know. Um, But I'm I'm just as curious as you because I'm not sure that there is a defense that you can draw up to take them all away. I do. One of the things I like about this Emeka anytime touchdown land is is a running touchdown mm-hmm. that we saw them hand the ball off to Marvin in the red zone and he got a rushing touchdown out of it. Uh, we've seen them use Emeka on crucial plays and I can envision him maybe getting two or three carries in important spots and maybe cashing it that way. Yeah, I think I think people have perhaps forgotten how dynamic Emeka can be with the ball in his hands because he did miss so much time, and then when he came back, he just wasn't himself for for a couple of weeks. But he's like he runs the ball like a running back. Um, and the one cut he made last week against Minnesota on one of those pop passes he got was devastating to get out to the outside and then take it around the edge. I I absolutely think Ohio State's going to get him involved in the running game this week. Um, we saw them try to do it in short yardage against Notre Dame. Didn't work then. They came back to a different way of using him in short yardage against Minnesota twice, and it worked. I think that is that is a recipe they'll they'll see if, if it can work against um, Michigan as well, especially when they get down in the red zone or like you don't have the quarterback run threat. Can you use somebody else um, to kind of even those numbers a little bit? All right, those are our prop bets for the game. When we come back, one last Northern bet. We'll do that next on the Pick Show on the podcast. So noting here that Austin Ward is a cashing machine. Up $124.03 on the year. I am down $105.68, and Landis is down $125.64. I felt like I was climbing back. Uh, uh, Just a devastating 0 for 5 for me last week. Just (laughs) wrong on everything. I almost had 
My northern bet last week, I didn't Dylan Johnson for Washington like almost score, and then he didn't. He was right. running into the end zone and fumbled the ball. Yeah, yeah. So if he would have scored there, I would have cashed my northern parlay on. But anyway, now now I'm playing the Landis game. I'm playing the almost game. Congrats <laughs> on your almost win that got you no money. That's Doug. right. The so, idea was right. Yeah, and your idea was right, and also didn't win. So again, here we are, the happy losers, <laughs> and now we'll go to our winning better cashing machine, Austin Ward, with his northern bet of the week, and I'm sure it has to do with corn. More it, corn. It does, and I also had a ridiculously bad beat last week while rolling oh. with Iowa, had them <laughs> under 32 and winning, covering two and a half. And then they punch in the touchdown in the last you know 90 seconds of the game to go up 15-13. I get up to the post-game press conference room. And I was like, well, that's weird. They haven't put this money in my account yet because I wager real dollars on my picks that's on here. I'm putting my money where my mouth is, folks. And Iowa gets the extra point blocked. What are you doing? I, I can't even count on Iowa special teams to finish the deal yeah. for me. That was as painful as it gets. But guess what? I'm not worried about it. I'm going right back to the Ferentz factory. I'm taking Iowa. Hmm. What do they make there? <laughs> Money. Relatives. More, more children and then yeah. more jobs for those children. It's a nepotism factory. It's uh, Anyway. I don't know why Iowa is an underdog at Nebraska. Nebraska is not good. Uh, Newsflash. Uh, so I had to take I Iowa. On this Iowa. <laughs> Excuse me? Are you talking about the champions of the West? We're going to get a whole of the West. Oh, Ohio State's going to play Iowa if they win. Oh, my God. Oh, I mean, Iowa talk. I can't so, wait you, to see what that happens, what Austin's going to do. Uh, let's One week at a time, boys. Okay, that's all, that's all we can do. Iowa. I have to take them to win. Just the money line wasn't even good enough. I have Iowa in an SGP covering two and a half and Nebraska's total under 10 and a half. That's plus 206 on DraftKings. I usually like a little bit more uh, more juice for my Iowa bets, but I couldn't quite get there. Uh, I mean, Nebraska scored 10 points two weeks ago and lost at home to Maryland. Uh, and Iowa this year has gone, uh, they've held their opponents under 10 four times, and that's three of the last five weeks. And then the other two weeks, which wouldn't win for me, uh, in this particular bet was 12 and 13 last five weeks, all opponents under 13 points. It's insane what they're doing now. Yes. Some of that is playing West teams who have anemic offenses. I get that, but Iowa is playing another one of those teams this week and they're going to beat them by three and it'll probably be 12 to three. <sighs> I might not be on the show next week. If it's Ohio state, Iowa and Austin, <laughs> we're just talking about Iowa all week. I can't, I mean, you know, Okay. When Kings of the North launches, I want to be your Iowa expert. I don't want you to have to go find anybody <laughs> else. <laughs> Austin is covering Iowa full-time from Columbus and just cashing, <laughs> cashing, cashing. All right, Landis, what are you almost going to win on this week? <laughs> uh, this is my this is my Big Ten West Coast bowling parlay. It's a three-leg money line parlay. It is Nebraska money line against Iowa. It is Minnesota money line against Wisconsin. And it is Illinois money line against Northwestern, which gets all three winners to bowl eligibility and six of the seven teams in the terrible Big Ten West to bowl eligibility, which I find hilarious. If we have to spend time watching these teams and the rest of America should have to, too. <laughs> so they're all going to go to bowl games when all three of these teams win. And the combination of those three money line bets is plus 434 on FanDuel. Plus 434. And a reminder... If you either want to get on the Austin bandwagon and bet Iowa in that game, or you want to get on the Landis bandwagon and bet Nebraska, that's a Friday game. So don't get to Saturday morning and think, oh, I didn't get a chance to bet. So I am also uh, living the dream here in the Big Ten. I am calling, I call this my uh, my Big Ten funder parlay because it's four unders. Ooh, it is oh, nice. Penn State, Michigan State under 42 and a half. Wisconsin, Minnesota under 41 and a half. Maryland, Rutgers under 44 and a half. Iowa, Nebraska under 26 and a half. And that's plus 1252, 12 to 1 
on mm. FanDuel. And that's so hitting, can, Doug. That is absolutely yeah. hitting. I like those. Yeah. You can just watch Big Ten football and hope nobody scores. <laughs> just think to yourself, why do I put myself through this? But at least I'm going to try to win money. So, again, Austin is uh, is having a great year. Landis and I are trying to dig out of this. But you know what? Gambling's fun, but it's Ohio State-Michigan week. So we are going to have everything covered through Thanksgiving, through Friday, and especially on Saturday. Austin, what's the plan as people are getting geared up when they wake up Saturday morning for what they can expect on the podcast? Yep. Well, this is going to be awesome. I mean, we got the whole team uh, heading up there to Ann Arbor. We'll have, uh, as long as we can find a, a good spot and reliable Wi-Fi, we'll take the keys live and we'll get into the availability report with Berm and I. Uh, might try and get something from the walk-in, um, the arrival on the bus and the tunnel and all that. No guarantee. It's a, it's going to be a, a dangerous situation in some respects, but um, we'll have we'll have all that normal pregame stuff as much as we can provide. If it's live, we'll if we can make that happen, we will. Uh, afterwards, we'll have snap judgments. Uh, and we'll do the notebook from the big house uh, later on. And you guys will be there for an in-person in, in the big house version of the post game show, which uh, I imagine uh, should be filled with plenty of interesting things to break down. Yeah. You psyched to do the post game show live from Ann Arbor Landis. I am psyched um, TBD on where we do it from. Yeah. Well, ho- hopefully it'll be up in the press box. Could be down on the field. Could be in a totally totally different town than, than Ann Arbor, depending on how things play out. So, uh, yeah, it should be interesting. So, if you are going, if you are an Ohio State fan going to the game, don't get in a fight. Don't get in a fight mm-hmm. in a way that like ruins your experience because this has a chance to be as good as any version of the game has ever been. And they've been doing this for whatever, 119 years. Right. So like have fun. Um, And if you're sitting around at Thanksgiving with family members who are Ohio state fans, maybe who are Michigan fans, don't ruin your family um, over this game. Well, I mean, if you want to, you can't family is annoying anyway. Right. Like so, but don't get in a fight. Don't get arrested. Mostly don't get arrested. Don't steal signs. Don't sell vacuums. Don't get in fights. Everybody be safe and enjoy the weekend. Again, we're so grateful uh, that you guys roll with us on this. We're so grateful that like we just get to cover interesting football. And this is going to be one of those, I think, that you know they might be interviewing people like us when we are very old and very gray and very wrinkled and saying, what was it like back in the day? Because this is history in the making, and uh, we get to be a part of it with you guys. So thanks to Jeremy Birmingham for making this show look and sound good as always for Austin Ward and Bill Landis. I'm Doug LaMaurice. Happy Thanksgiving. And that was the pick show on the podcast.